Do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.asade.edu. We're truly pleased today to welcome Professor Paul Adler, who is a professor of management and organization, sociology and environmental studies at the University of Southern California, former president of the Academy of Management, and most recently one of the promoters of the standing working group on systemic alternatives to the Anthropocene at EGOS, the European Group for Organizational Studies. He has a, a truly impressive list of publications. I won't refer to them all, but I will show you a book he has just published, The 99% Economy, How Democratic Socialism Can Overcome the Crisis of Capitalism. We're going to have some time with him briefly touching on the highlights of this text. Paul, could you please tell us a bit about this book? What are the main ideas you wanted to, to convey? Uh, thank you, David. About, first, let me thank you for inviting me to do this. It's been a, a great pleasure to be with you today. So yeah, in summary, um, let me say, this is a public facing book. Um, in it, I try to explain why I think we need socialism, democratic socialism and, and how it would work. It's based on a series of lectures I gave a few years ago at Oxford, a part of the Clarendon lecture series. And I tried to build on a few decades of research I've done into the management practices of some of our biggest capitalist firms. Um, I focus on six crises, economic irrationality and cyclical downturns, workplace disempowerment, government unresponsiveness to citizen demands, environmental degradation and the climate crisis, social disintegration and international conflict. I argue that the root causes of all of them, lie, of each of them, lies in the capitalist nature of our economic system. And I try to show why, so long as the core of the economy remains capitalist, firms that employ workers as wage workers competing for profits in the market, why, as long as the core of the economy remains capitalist in that sense, neither voluntary corporate efforts of like corporate social responsibility, but nor social, nor government regulation can overcome these crises. Uh, even if they can, the crisis can be somewhat mitigated by those efforts. Seems to me, or I try to argue in the book, that to overcome these crises, we need to reorient production and investment to the needs of the people and the planet, and we can't afford to leave decisions about the investment and production in the hands of top managers of enterprises that are driven by the need for profits. So we need to assert democratic control over the society's productive resources, both within enterprises but also across the higher, entire national economy. So I'd say, you know, the big challenge, of course, uh, for someone who believes that that's the future is that uh, no one successfully implemented any such system uh, that meets our expectations for democracy, innovativeness, efficiency, motivation. You know, the experience of socialism in the 20th century is a very sorry one across those all four of those dimensions. But I try to argue in the book that we can find something close to a working model of what that might look like in a surprising place, in the specifically in the strategic management processes used by some of our biggest corporations. And you know, as many people have observed, these corporations operate internally of something like a planned economy, where they strategic plan coordinates their subunits' production investment activities, rather than relying on any market type competition between the subunits. And when they do that, these big corporations face the same challenges as socialist planning would face at a national level. 
So the firm is sort of in a microcosm experiencing the same challenges of socialist planning as we would face at a national level if we tried to implement it nationally. But my argument is that what we look, when we look closely at some of the better practices of strategic management in these big firms, we see some very interesting ideas that should give us confidence that we can manage the whole economy in this democratic and strategically coherent way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe any of these firms is in any way socialistic. Uh, under capitalist conditions, these strategic management practices are always undermined and implemented in only a very fragmentary way. But if we socialize the ownership of the country's productive resources, then we could imagine democratic councils at the firm level, at the local and at the regional level could use these sorts of strategic management processes to decide on our collective social, economic, environmental goals and how to reach them. And I try to sketch what that world would look like. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's the main idea. So it sounds to me after reading your your book clearly provides a vision of where to go after the a very thorough, let's say, description of the, of the root causes of our different crises in capitalism. But I guess the question now is how to bridge the gap between the vision and, and where we are. So what is your idea about how to make progress in this, in this direction, besides obviously learning from what is happening in the private sector and in, in large corporations, as you were saying? Yeah, um, I spend a fair bit of time in the in the book trying to work through the existing answers, the the main answers to that question and explain why I don't think they're sufficient, why we need to go much further in the socialist direction. You know, we all have read so much about corporate social responsibility. Um, Clearly, there's a lot that more more enlightened leadership of our firms can do to mitigate these problems we're talking about. But uh, all of the research seems to to me to, to, to support the conclusion that it would be completely delusional to imagine that through corporate social responsibility type voluntary action, either within the individual firm or even with voluntary associations of firms, we're going to overcome the climate change crisis. We're going to somehow obviate the massive cycles of economic collapse that we periodically experience in capitalism or any of these other big problems we face. So even the proponents of corporate social responsibility usually end up acknowledging, well, of course, this will work a lot better if we also have government regulation. So then I spent some time exploring how far we can imagine government regulation of a capitalistic economy taking us in solving these problems. And I try to explain why, while government regulation can certainly do much to mitigate these problems, as long as the wealth of the country, as long as the prosperity of the country is dependent on the profitability of the private sector, no government can impose the kinds of stringent regulations we would need on business to eliminate these crises. No government could afford to impose such stringent regulations because it would destroy the profitability of vast parts of the private sector. That means jobs disappear, and that means the government is out of business very quickly. So I don't think we have much choice, but to, in the end, to, to look for a much more radical transformation of our societies and of our economies. And you ask, how realistic is that? Is there a realistic path forward that would get us from here to there? What I, all I can say is that we are likely, we will inevitably face crises of various kinds in the coming years, economic crises of the kind that we saw in 2008, or as we've been experiencing perhaps with the corona crisis environmental crises that will you know, overwhelm many of our cities and regions. 
these crises are crucibles in which people's imagination can be fired, in which people's will to make more radical change can be energized. I would say also politically, even when we're, uh, we trust, uh, put our faith in uh, a political leadership that has much more modest, let's say social democratic rather than socialist aspirations, um, as they try to move forward with those modest social democratic programs, they will encounter strong resistance from the business sector. And in the face of that resistance, we will have a choice, either to move forward to more comprehensive socialism or to retreat to something you know, less, uh, le less ambitious. And I think in the tension in the created by that sort of political crisis, we could also there too imagine that people's will to make radical change might be galvanized. So I, I see the path forward. <laughs> Unfortunately, I see the path forward as primarily through one or other of these forms of crisis. Mm -hmm. let, let me now go a bit down in, in let's say, in the supply chain. I mean, we are, we are part of this system, uh, you and myself as, as business school professors and management profession. What, what is, how does it resonate, your, 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 your message? What is, the, what is the, the collateral for us as professors who are really wanted to, or would like to be committed with this radical change just to confront the crisis we have around us so I guess the question is, what, what is our role? What, what, what is the consequence of what you're saying for, even yeah. for you as a professor? Yeah, um, good question. Um, I, 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 as I understand it, I, I see a few avenues or a few ways to manage this strange tension in our role between working in a business school where the, our graduates are above all looking for jobs in the business sector. Uh, and our role as socialists, if you accept, if you frame it that way. Um, so I'd say first thing, we train managers, but we also educate them. Our business, school our business school programs should be helping them navigate the world that they're moving into. And as our graduates from business school will encounter many of all these crises we're talking about, crises for which there's no simple solution. And my idea is in our teaching, we have an important role to play in helping them understand the nature of the world they're entering, helping them understand the nature of the conflicts and contradictions that they're going to be encountering so they can navigate them as best they can. Um, I would say in educating them, we're not only educating them as future managers who need to be thoughtful about the variety of pressures they're coming under from within the firm, above them and external stakeholders, but we also, we're also educating them as citizens they don't only work, they also vote. They also you know, participate in their local communities. And you know, we have a responsibility as business school faculty to keep in mind their education as citizens, as well as their training in the technical details of management. So I think the education part gives us an opportunity to, uh, to broaden our students' perspective. I don't see my role as an educator in indoctrinating students with socialist ideas. You know, I try to present them competing points of view on capitalist society um, and give them a very broad range of views and encourage them to reach their own conclusions and find their own pathway in the face of these tensions. As far as our research is concerned, I, I realize there's a lot of pressure on us in our research to become what we call in America boosters for business, um, celebrating all the wonderful things that our enlightened business leaders can do. But I don't think we need to, you know, I think we can claim a higher ground 
if we're not boosters, but we're serious scholars. So we're interested in the difficulties that business leaders encounter when they try to do the right thing. But we're also interested in denouncing the business leaders who don't give a damn about doing the right thing and just want to enrich themselves. But there's plenty of business leaders who try to do the right thing. And then in, as scholars in explicating, I'm trying to understand, trying to theorize the nature of the challenges they face, there's plenty of room for us to contribute to a deeper understanding and you know, cultivate some awareness of the structural constraints of capitalism and some uh, uh, that we will perceive more clearly if we have in mind an alternative form of the world. It's very hard for the fish to understand the taste of water. If you're living uh, in, if, if, if that's all you have around you, if, if, you, if you can't broaden your frame of reference, then, you, then it's very hard to see some very important things about the world you're living in. So by studying non-capital systems, whether it's feudalism or, uh, uh, or, you know, or socialism, uh, I think we can uh, we can help uh, our in our scholarship. We can help uh, understand better the specific nature of the challenges that managers face. I would say one more thing: many people who come to their work as management as business school scholars with a socialist sensibility do experience this as something very much more tension filled than I do. They want to use their position as socialists to denounce all the terrible things about capitalism that they see. And they think that to be a socialist means to um, spend your time denouncing the terrors of the terrible things of, about capitalism. I think our critique of capitalism is, as socialists is much more profound if we also capture the positive things about capitalism that the people to whom we're talking uh, notice, uh, that, that they appreciate. They appreciate the fact that their lives are on, you know, on average for the main part, a lot better than their great-grandparents' lives were, right? They, you know, they remember what their grandparents or great-parents might have told them as a young people about what it was like working in the mines at the age of 15, you know? They know that things have gotten better. As socialists, we need an account of why things have, have gotten better under capitalism, right? Uh, without feeling like somehow we're ceding something to the other side by acknowledging capitalist benefit, capitalism's benefits for working people. So I think, our, uh, I think this problem of what to do as how to behave as a socialist in a business school is much more difficult if you think the only possible posture is one of denunciation. If as long as you see yourself as offering a, a nuanced appreciation of capitalism for its, for what its contributions as well as its trepidations, you know, then uh, it becomes a lot easier, I think, to assume the mantle of socialist in this context. Excellent. Thanks a lot for very for this very optimistic take on what we can do with all these systemic crises that we we're surrounded with. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you, David. Thanks. Greatly appreciate the chat. Be well. If you still want to learn more, remember you can register on our platform dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>